You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. I want to welcome those who are joining us online uh, this morning, and uh, for one reason or the other, you're uh, maybe you're not feeling well, um, as many are in this season, and, um, or you're uh, uh, otherwise uh, just uh, have an opportunity to join us today, and we just want to say a welcome. Uh, and uh, if you are new, if you could just let us know that uh, you're joining us today, we'd, we'd really appreciate that. Well, we are continuing our study in Romans chapter 12 uh, this week. We uh, are uh, under the headline of Romans 12, 1 and 2. We're, we are seeking to see what is it that is God's will uh, for you and I. We want to have our minds transformed. We do not want to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but we want our minds transformed by His Word. And we need to be continually thinking, when I think about different things, am I thinking of worldly thinking or am I thinking a wordly, I guess as we could put it, a worldly thinking? Am I thinking according to what the scriptures say? And uh, we began last week in thinking about God's will for the church. As we were studying last week, we were, we were challenged by the fact that, that we need to see ourselves in a biblical way, in a sober-minded way. We ought not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. And so in the body of Christ, there should be humility amongst us, remembering the grace of God that put us in the body of Christ to begin with, as well as the giftings that he gives us. They are all a grace of him. And so there's no reason for us to boast. And so we we walk in humility. We walk in unity uh, together. And uh, while we have unity, he highlighted the fact that there is diversity We've seen that in verses 3 to 5. You think about how do I get into the church? How do I get into the body of Christ? Well, that is through Christ and Christ alone. It is in our coming to faith in Him. When I repent of my sin and I place my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, I become a part of the body of Christ. And the membership is what? Eternal. Right? You are eternally a part of the body of Christ. And we will do life together forever in the presence of the king. Now, having understood that, part two, thinking about the will of God for the church, we need to say, okay, so what is my place in it? How am I to function within the body of Christ? But in order for you to be ready for that, you need to have settled the fact that you are important to the body of Christ. Do you believe that this morning? Are you fully committed to the fact that, that you are in the body of Christ? If you're a believer, you are in the church, is how it's described in the Bible. Are you ready to be involved? Are you ready to be known in the church? As we think about that, there should be no anonymous Christians, right? The, the, the idea that, yeah, 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 I'm a, church, uh, I'm a believer, but I just don't go to church, no, if, we, if you're a believer, then you are known. People know your name. You, know, you just don't slip in the back of a church. You don't just sit at home during church, you know, the gathering of these people. But you know people, and they know you, and you do life together. And there's a commitment to one another. This is what we see in the Scriptures. This is what the Word says versus what the world would say. right? So a commitment to one another. 
And, and if you're not committed to that, then I would just ask yourself, I would just ask you to ask yourself, where are you getting that idea from? That you should not be committed to the body of Christ. Is it ignorance? Like up until this morning, you're like, I, I didn't know that I was supposed to be committed to the body of Christ. Okay, well now you know. Okay, is it rebellion? Is it, is it past hurt that you're just holding on to and you're just like, nope, never putting myself in a group like that ever again? Whatever the case may be, we, might, we need to be conformed. We need to be transformed by the word and say, God, yes, you want me to do this. Sometimes believers have too high a view of themselves. I don't need the church. I can be growing spiritually without the church. And then sometimes people have too low of a view of themselves in the sense that the church doesn't need me. And both of those are wrong. And so let's be all in. And then as we're all in, then let us understand that we've been all gifted. That's what we're going to be looking at today. All of us have been given a gift by the Lord for the building up of his church for the building up of the body and for the glory of his name. That's where we're going. That's what we're going to be talking about all morning. All right. Probably only take a couple hours. Okay. And are you ready? But we have to know this, right? If we're going to be faithful, if we're going to be a church living out the will of God. So let us pray and then let us get into study. God, we thank you for this time together this morning. God, I th- thank you that It was your good plan that there would be a thing called the church, that there would be a thing called the body of Christ. And God, we desire to walk in faithfulness. And God, we are so thankful that even as we consider what we're going to be looking at this morning, faithfulness is possible because you've given us your spirit, because you've gifted us because you've given us one another. And God, I pray that we would embrace your plan for the church, that God, there would be 100% buy-in, that everyone who calls himself a believer would love your bride, just as you have loved your bride and gave yourself for it. God, I pray that you would fill me, Lord, with your spirit, that you would lead and guide that the words that I would speak this morning would not be my own, but yours. God, we desperately need to hear from you. So many different voices in this world, so many people clamoring for our attention, but God, we only want to walk in obedience to you. And so God, we look forward to how you use this time to equip us, to build us, to change us for your glory. It's in your name we pray, amen. All right, so everyone needs a Bible. Uh, If you don't have one, just go ahead and put up your hand. Uh, We're going to look at Romans chapter 12. As I mentioned, we're going to be studying specifically verses 6 through 8, but we will read verses 1 through 8. So if you don't have a Bible, just slip up your hand. The ushers will give you a copy, and uh, maybe you just forgot it on the way out the door today. But um, we're going to look at this and just see what God has for us. All right, so let's look at this. uh, Romans 12, 1 through 8. And it says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them in, if, if, let us use them. if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortations, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so Paul gives us a list of giftings. God gives us uh, an idea of what should be happening within the body of Christ. Has anyone ever been a, a part of a church where like 20% of the people are doing 100% of the work? You ever seen those? Okay, I remember, I remember going through college. That was the stats back then. I didn't have time to look up the stats today, but that, I don't think that's probably changed a whole lot. A, lot, a whole lot of people calling themselves a part of the body of Christ, but not a lot of functioning going on. Kind of reminds me, if you think about the physical body versus the church body, it's kind of like the appendix, right? Nobody knows exactly what it's for, right? There's a lot of people, it seems like, in the church, like, I don't know. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't really know what I'm here for, you know, and, and except for this, like, every now and then, I'm just going to cause a lot of pain to the body and burst, right? Like, that's but that's not a gifting, okay? That's not, you know, so if you're like, okay, I think, yeah, I think actually that's me. I'm a penix. Um, that's not a gift. That's not a spiritual gift. Every one of us have a gift. And so I want you to be thinking about this as we go through. What's my gift? What, 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 what are my gifts, perhaps? Not just a gift. Sometimes God gives many gifts uh, to his people. And so what is it that God's called me to do? What is it that he has empowered by his spirit. So as we understand our spiritual gifts, first we have to ask, where do they come from? Where do they come from? How is it that I would have these gifts that we're talking about this morning? We see in verse 6, it says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Every, just as the word says, every person who has a spiritual gift is a result of the gift giver, which is God. God is the one who gives out gifts. It's not through my strength. It is not through my, you know, kind of like, well, I really studied hard or I took this course or it is a gift from the Holy Spirit. This is where we get our gifts from. And thinking back to the earlier verses, this is why then we should be thinking of ourselves with sober judgment. Whatever gifting God has given you, however he's choosing to use you, is from him. So who gets the glory? Certainly not you. So there should never be anyone puffed out, you know, puffed chest, you know, like, hey, look at me, like, my gifting, like, I'm amazing, right? Like, like, sometimes you might see preachers do, right? Or priests. I, mean, I remember being in uh, Notre Dame uh, before the fire, and, and the, the priests walking you know, like, and I was just like, wow, like, that's not what we see in the Bible, right? And, and Paul, 
Remember him talking about him having the gift of being an apostle? It says, by the grace given to me. There's no reason for me to boast that it was a gift. And so if I'm going to glory, it's in Christ and Christ alone. When? When do I get the gift? Am I born with it? Some people would think that, but I think that would be more under the natural gifts, the natural talents that God gives us. Ultimately, again, all for his glory and honor. He's the one who knit you together. He's the one who made you. But when it comes to spiritual gifts, I believe it is in association with you being given the Spirit of God. First Corinthians 12, 11 uh, it says, all these are empowered by one, talking about the gifts and the same spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So in your coming a part of the body of Christ, as you become a new creation in him at conversion, you are also given the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit come the giftings. And he is the one who decides what you get. You don't decide, Right? Like, oh, I really want that one. Or I really, you know, whatever. Like, and, and like this idea that we're talking about earlier, like this envy and jealousy. Like, like, I don't like my gift. I want a different gift. No, it's like, thank you, Lord, that you would even use me. Thank you that, that you've gifted me in this way. Just a reminder, again, of, of, our fact, of the fact that this is all of God's grace. Schreiner says this, The gifts exercised cannot be attributed to the moral no- nobility of human beings. They are evidence of the graciousness of God who has supplied his church with means to strengthen the community. In other words, when we think about this church, as we think about this gathering, the body of Christ, we need supernatural means in order for it to function in the way that it ought to function. This is just not some kind of human gathering. This is a supernatural, empowered, spirit-empowered gathering. And its purpose is so that in the giving of the gifts is, is that we might build up the body of Christ. We see again in 1 Corinthians 12 that the Spirit gives a variety of gifts for the good of the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 4-7 says this, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Why? For the common good, for the sake of the body of Christ. This is why you're given gifts. It's not for yourself. It's not so that you can see how great you are. It is for the body of Christ. And so when we serve, we do so sacrificially. It's not about us. It's about the church and it's about Christ. Ephesians 4 also tells us that the gifts are for the equipping of the body, for the work that God has put before us. And someone who is by themselves and trying to live the Christian life apart from the body of Christ is weak. It's frail. That person has no strength. But in the body of Christ, as we strengthen and encourage one another, we are built up for the work that God has for us. This is the way God has made it to function. Everyone is gifted. Now, it's interesting. When you think about Paul writing this letter, has he been to the church in Rome? Nope, never been there. Wasn't even a part of its founding, right? And yet, he's like, hey, these gifts right here, this is how you're to use them. 
He knows that they have the gifts. Why? Because every Christian has a gift. Every body of Christ has a variety of gifts. Now, are we good on that? Who doesn't have a gift here this morning? Anyone? Okay. The person who's unsaved would say, that would be me. Okay, sure. 100%. You're tracking. Okay. But if you're in Christ this morning, then you have a gifting. Now, this is, it was, it was interesting, the small groups this last week, and this, this is why we do the pulpit curriculum. Some of the different questions, like, well, what about, like, does God use our natural talents sometimes? I think biblically we could say, yeah. God takes your, what you were already kind of gifted in and then empowers it by his spirit. An example would be Paul. Anybody think that Paul maybe had the gift of leadership before he became a believer? Right? Like, was he naturally talented in leadership? Well, for sure he was, right? There, there's no doubt about that. He was, he was leading the charge of persecution. Yet afterwards, he was not then serving in the flesh. He was now empowered by the Spirit. And his, his leadership took on a whole different flavor, didn't it? It was Christ-like leadership, not just the worldly kind of leadership. So he could take what you did before Christ and then empower it by spirit. Or there's times where he will gift you in a way that you were not used to. Now, I know this is an Old Testament illustration, and we don't want to, you know, but just go with me on this, all right? Yes, the Old Testament wasn't the church, but I think the fact that God sometimes uses people in ways that they weren't normally used to could probably best summarized in people like what? Moses. Moses. Moses is called to lead the people of God. It's, it's actually, you find yourself frustrated by the time you're done, right? You're like, hey, Moses, here you go. You're, you're going to go to free your people from the Egyptians now. And he's like, wait a minute. I got a question. And God answers that. I, I actually have another question. Okay, great. Uh, uh, but, 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 and then finally he says in, Ephesians, in Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, but Moses said to the Lord, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. You picked the wrong guy. I actually can't do this. And then what does the Lord say? The Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who made him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. And then there's the whole Aaron thing. But eventually he goes, right? Eventually he goes. And what do we see as we read through the Pentateuch? God makes him the leader that it took a while for Moses to understand he should be. But he got there. As he learned to trust the Lord, he got there. And so this morning, as you think about your giftedness, some of you will be like, yeah, yeah. Like before Christ, I was kind of walking this way as far as my natural talents go. And I find that God actually has has given me a supernatural joy for that. Now I serve through his power in that particular way. And then there's others of you here, I would include myself in this, where God said, no, I'm actually going to call you to do something that you would naturally never have would have done. That's what I'm going to call you to do. That's my story. Never naturally would I have chosen to ever be up here. Not, not for a second. But 
God used people in the body of Christ, and somebody made me preach back in 1993. <laughs> and I remember sitting there, like this, this trembling, ready to puke, right? Like I was just like, ah, this is why, right? And so I'm getting up, and as I got up, there was just like a peace came over me. I was like, okay, this is different. And I really had a joy in doing it. I was like, okay, maybe. Not, not so much that I changed my course load when I went back to college. I just continued on the path that I thought. But then in God, in his sense of humor, about a year and a half later, I wound up being the guy who preached every Sunday because the senior pastor had resigned. So, and he took me to Exodus 4 because I kept saying, I can't do it. He's like, what? I made your mouth. I give you the gifts. I will empower you by the Spirit of God. Now, the great thing about that gifting is guess what? I don't have to guess whether it's out of my own natural talent or not. Because <laughs> I definitely know I would never have done this without the Lord's Spirit empowering me to do so. So, how has He gifted you? The important thing for us to remember is that you have been gifted, it's from the Lord, you received it at the time of your conversion, and now, secondly, as we think about understanding our spiritual gifts, how do we use them? Well, clearly, as he says here, use them, right? To start with, use them. Use the gifts. There is is no excuse for you not to be using the gifts that he has given you. They, They are not to be left on the shelf, so to speak. They are to be used for his glory and for the building up of the church. Now, the list that we've read here earlier, it's not an exhaustive list. It's not like, You have to have been in one of those categories. I think chances are many of you are because they're a little bit more broad. But you're like, okay, well, I I don't necessarily see it there. Maybe look in 1 Corinthians. Maybe look in 1 Peter. There's a little bit in Ephesians, right? Like they're, they're, they're not necessarily an exhaustive list. But clearly we're called to use them. Moose says it like this, Paul then is not just listing gifts, he's exhorting each member of the community to use his or her own gift diligently and faithfully to strengthen the body's unity and to help it flourish. Diligently and faithfully. That's how we should be using our gifts for his glory. And let's be honest, you become the benefactor when you do so. It's not for that, but you, like, to see the Lord use you, like, to empower you to have an impact on his church, on the lost world, like, that's an amazing thing, is it not? To, to see God working in you and through you grows your faith. It makes it real. And so, I want to just stir you up this morning in that regard. If you're not using your gifts, it's time to get on board. And God wants to use you. To see what? The thing we pray for. To see his kingdom come. To see his will being done here on this earth as it is in heaven before the fulfillment of it all coming to pass finally here on earth when Christ returns. But from now to then, we say, God, we want your will to be done in here in this church. And so I'm open to using whatever gifts you've given me for the sake of others and for your glory. Your Lord, use me. The Spirit is working in us and through us for the sake 
of his kingdom. There's no reason for pride. Why? It's because it's a work of the Spirit. The Spirit empowers the gifting. And you know in your heart of hearts, unless the Spirit empowers it, who cares? Why do it then? If it's just out of my own flesh, then, then, then it's, a more, it's going to be about me, and I'm going to do it in a wrong way. But when I'm walking in faithfulness and in diligence to using the gift, then it brings him glory and brings me joy in the fact that I get to serve him in this way. So let's think of the gifts, okay? You all have one? What are some of the gifts that he's given us? Seven examples here. First, he says, if prophecy in proportion to our faith. I was sharing with somebody before the service, this only took me half of my study this week. All right, because I don't think this gift actually exists in the church right now. When Paul wrote, guess what? It was, it was there. If prophecy, Agabus, remember that guy? The guy who said there's going to be a famine in Acts chapter 11. The guy who told Paul in Acts 21, hey, you're going to be like this, when you get to Jerusalem, right? He bound himself. He said, you will be bound when you get to Jerusalem. And what did Paul said? Yeah, I know, right? Earlier, he had already said, I know the Spirit continues to testify to me that when I get to Jerusalem, it's not going to go well for me. But I want to do what the will of the Lord is, and so I'm going. So the, the Spirit uh, was using the gift of prophecy at that time. All right, Peacock, where did you get this idea from? That the prophecy, like how did, how did you get there? Okay, so write these verses down, maybe to study for yourself later. But Ephesians 2.20 tells us what? Ephesians 2.20 tells us that the church was built upon the apostles and the prophets, with Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. By the end of the first century, with the death of John, I think he was the last one to go, there were no more apostles. The time was done for the apostles and also for the prophets because they did not have Matthew to, Revu, Revu, uh, sorry, Matthew to Revelation. The church needed guidance. They needed words from prophets. And what would happen if you look at 1 Corinthians, uh, uh, someone would prophesy and then those who had the gift of prophecy would then coordinate together to say, was this true or not? Is this, is this something that should be done or not? Even, depending on how you interpret this, if prophecy in accordance to our faith, this was part of the like 10 hours of study on this, the word is the faith. But almost in all of our translations, it says our faith, his faith, and I'm like, I'm not that much of a Greek scholar to understand, okay, why are we doing this? Why say our faith, according to our faith or to his faith, when it's the word the? But it's that way, okay? So I'm like, I defer to people way smarter than me, okay? So there's two ways to think about it. When it came to prophecy, one, that it was according to the faith, would be according to what this Bible says, according to what other scriptures say. Is it, is it in line with what God says, is it in line with his character? If it is, then we should say, yes, this is from God. Or if you take it in the personal pronoun, in accordance to our faith, it is in accordance to the gifting. 
that's been given you. To say what God has said, not less, not to say more, but to say exactly what he has told you to say. And this is how God built up the early church, through the apostles and through the prophets. But now, we don't need any new revelation because the canon is now complete. Through the apostles, through the prophets, now we now have the Matthew, Matthew through Revelation. We, we don't need that gifting any longer. When we think about the gift itself in 1 Corinthians 14, 3, it says the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So there is a echoing of that in preaching today. I don't think it's the same gift. I think that would be wrong to say that preaching is prophecy. But there is some similarities in that when we preach the word, there, there is this, this upbuilding and encouragement and consolation that's happening. Fesco says this, just because the gift of prophecy has ceased does not mean that it is entirely irrelevant. The gift of prophecy echoes into our own day through the prophetic scriptures. And anytime a minister preaches the word, he expounds the prophetic word of God. All right. So does that make sense? Okay, somebody, I know there's probably lots of questions, and I thought about going down those rabbit trails, but we can talk about them afterwards, or else we're not going to get through our stuff this morning, okay? So you're like, okay, what about, what about, maybe I will just do one rabbit trail, okay? <laughs> I don't agree with you, Trevor. I think that there's still the gift of prophecy. Then the only thing that I always say is this, if that is true, then you need to ask yourself, are those churches, are those people using those gifts as the Bible prescribes? And that's just some word for thought, okay? But we'll move on. I've told you how I believe about that or what I think about that, but we can talk more further afterwards. So, do you have that gift? I don't think so, okay? <laughs> Secondly, now, we, now, now I would say these ones, I would say, we need to consider, is this my gifting? Then he says, that these next three gifts are kind of listed together. If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation. And ultimately what he's saying here, use your gifting where you are gifted. If it's in teaching, then teach. If it's in serving, then serve. If it's in exhorting, then exhort. Don't be thinking like, oh, I wish I could be the one who teaches instead of the one who's serving. I wish I could be the one who exhorts instead of being the one who teaches. I, it is using the gifting as God has given it to you. Serving. It's, it's uh, from the same root where we get our word for deacon. There's, there's, there's many different ways that, that we could serve, but usually this is through material or physical means. And God has gifted uh, some of the church body to, to serve. We think about Acts chapter 6. That's a classic example. It's a, it's a beautiful example of what we're talking about right here in this text. There's some widows who, who, who been, they, they would distribute the food, and there's problems. There's, there's, there's becoming more and more people, and, and, and the apostles are now being drawn into serving table, serving at the table. And they say, wait, 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 wait. We can't be distracted from the way that God has gifted us, which is what? To, to pray and to be proclaiming the word. That's how he had gifted them. And so... What was best for the church then was not to say, well, you know, don't, don't think you're so high and lofty. You should serve too. 
Okay, that, that's not, they were like, wait a minute, God has given us the body of Christ, and so they choose seven individuals who are gifted in this way, and they serve. Now, you just flip to the next chapter. Obviously, Stephen also was a gifted preacher, okay? He also could teach, but he had, so he didn't have just one gift, but he was gifted in this way, and so he was ser- uh, uh, appointed to serve in that way. Is this a gifting that God has given you? As we think about those who excel in this gift, that's where maybe they become deacons, take on the office of deacon. Some will have the gift of teaching. This is the ability to take the word of God and then to pass it on to others, to teach others what the word of God says. Those gifted in this area should continually be seeking to grow in both their knowledge of depth, depth, or sorry, the depth of knowledge and in their ability to pass on the information that they have learned. As we consider this gifting, I was thinking about this. It may be you're just gifted to teach a particular age group, right? Like I still remember our time in Los Angeles. I was, uh, help, I was one of the, the, the ways that I served there was to help oversee the children's ministry. And so my job would be to just go and check in on classes, how they're doing. And I remember I would come to this, this one man's class. And it, I, I don't know. He was maybe late 50s, early 60s. And I'd get to that class. It was a, a class of three-year-olds. And I'd open the door and the kids are all just sitting there mesmerized. And, they, and like three-year-olds, like they're all just totally buying into what he's teaching. Like they, they, that man was gifted to teach children. It was incredible. I've never seen anything like it. To, to take such young lives and for them to be like, okay, teach us. We want to know. And, 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 and he had an incredible impact on those young lives. Maybe you're not gifted to teach children. Maybe your, your gifting would be more working with youth. You have the gift of sarcasm. And so you can, right? But you, but you, you, you just resonate and God's given you an energy and, and a gifting, a true gifting to work with youth. Or maybe it's adults that you're to teach. Some of you are like, I, I like having 60 people where I could teach them. Others would be like, I will take six at maximum. Right? And I, I, would be, I would be happy to pass on the knowledge and teach that with a smaller group. Is teaching a gift that you have? Something that the Spirit empowers in your life. You can see Him working through you as you teach. What about exhortation? Now, the Greek word here is parakaleo which can mean several things. It can mean to encourage, to exhort, to comfort, to console. This gift may be exercised from a pulpit or platform, or it might be done through counseling or one-on-one settings. But it's the idea of coming on and, 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 and spurring someone on. The first person that probably comes to your mind when you think about our Bibles would be the guy Barnabas, Right? He was known what? As the son of encouragement, right? And we see him, God, God using his giftings over and over again. And, and 
come alongside Paul in, in, in trying to mend broken relationships, in, in, in spurring others on. That was his gifting. Do, do you enjoy coming alongside others and, and showing them what the Word of God says and spurring them on and encouraging them and, 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 and keep running? You can do this. You can do this. Compelling them to walk in the ways of the Lord. We all need encouragement, right? There's times where we get tired or weary or discouraged. And God wants to use individuals of this church to come on and, and who are especially gifted to, to come on and spur you on. Do you have this gift? The last three gifts described, they, they are also, there's a, there's a, a descriptor added to the gifting. And I think it's interesting it would be to say, am I, am I doing this out of the spirit? Or am I doing this out of the flesh? For example, the one who contributes in generosity. There are some people who are gifted to give. They, 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 they really enjoy giving. They look for opportunities to give. I remember my roommate in college, and I mean, the guy, he had the gift of generosity. And like, I mean, college, like, what do we have? Like, like not a lot, right? But whatever he had, if somebody would ask to borrow it, he was like, sure. Like, he wouldn't even, we wouldn't even stop because they were like, I don't know, this guy's not trustworthy, you know, should I give to them or not? I mean, that, it was, it didn't, he didn't think that way. He just like, this, everything I have is the Lord, so Sure. It's yours. Like, like, that's the way he thought about life. This word here for generosity, it could also mean simplicity. So there's two things to think about. Either one would be biblical. Simplicity would be to give without considering what I would get back. Like, there's no strings attached. And, of course, generosity, that's, that's self-apparent, right? Generosity is that you would be giving sacrificially. Even when it hurts, because you love to give. And God has gifted you that way. Is this you? The one who leads should lead with zeal. God has given particular individuals the gift of leadership, and they should what? Lead wholeheartedly, and not begrudgingly. This gift is usually equated with eldership, but it's not exclusive to eldership. Well, of course, in the church, we have leaders over different, all kinds of different things. But it says when you lead, you should lead with zeal. First Peter 5, 2, this is Paul's instruction to, sorry, Peter's instruction to the elders. He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. As God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. So not, not leading like, oh man, I'm so tired of leading. I hate these people. <laughs> like, that's not a great leader, okay? A leader is like, is someone who is in spirit empowered, so they do so eagerly. Yes, it's hard sometimes. Yes, there's difficulties sometimes. But the Spirit of God has gifted you this way, so you do it with zeal. 
You do it eagerly. Schreiner had an interesting point here. He says leaders are prone to laziness more than others simply because they have no one exercising oversight over them. Thus, they may be able to skate by less with a, than with a zealous effort, right? I, I thought that was an interesting point. So half-heartedly, not putting your full effort into it, maybe if you've been leading a long time, kind of like, yeah, whatever, I know, how, I know what I'm doing. I'll just kind of wing it. I'll just kind of whatever. But that's not, that's out of the flesh, leading out of the flesh. We're to lead with zeal, eagerness. And then he says this, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Acts of mercy, these are, these are the kinds of, of caring for people who are suffering in some way. They may be in need like financially or distress, maybe suffering emotionally or sick. Think people like people who would be in prison, people who are in hospital, coming alongside and, and helping them, caring for their needs. This ministry could take a lot of time and effort and resources. And sometimes, you know, it's not like, yeah, they were sick for three days, so we made some chicken soup. Like sometimes they were sick for the last five years or ten years of their life, and so we cared for them continually. Or a situation like our family in the hospital for five months, and yet you with the rest of the body of Christ brought two meals a day to us because of our being in a time of need. And so what can happen is that you grow weary in doing good, as Galatians 6.10 says. And so we need to ask the Spirit to empower that gifting so that we might do it with cheerfulness. Just, you know, if you're, if you're, <laughs> if you're showing up with the soup, kind of like, here you go. See you later. Like, that's, that's, not, that's not spirit-empowered, right? That's, that's doing it out of the flesh. It is to like, hey, we love you. We care for you. We brought the soup. We just, we just hope this is a blessing to you. Is there anything else you need? Any, any other needs that you can, we can help with? Right? That's, that's this person doing it in a way that is spirit-empowered. Thinking about this gifting uh, Paul, Paul, in his, his conversation with the Ephesian elders as he's giving them the last kind of instructions, he says in Acts 20, verse 35, in all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. We must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so to see the joy in it, to, 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 to be spirit-empowered, it's like, God, God you use me? To be a blessing to others, like what a blessing. How incredible is it that I get to serve in this way? I like what MacArthur had to say. He said, would that all Christians with this gift not only would minister it cheerfully, but also regularly and consistently. There will be far fewer needy who have to depend on a godless, impersonal government or social agency. And if Christ's people pattern their lives after his gracious example, far more people would hear and respond to the saving gospel that meets their dip, deepest need. And we think about the giftings of the church. They are for the building up of the church, but they are also an example to the world. They are a shining light to the world. And so how has God gifted you? 
As you're going through, it's like, okay, I think that one maybe, maybe this one over here. I'm not exactly sure. Maybe you're saying, I'm not, I'm not so sure. And that brings us to our last point. Where do we go from here? Okay? The scriptures are clear. Every single person is gifted. So, where do we go from here? Discover your gift. If you're still sitting here, I'm not sure. I'm still not sure. How is it that I would discover my gift? Yes, you could do a little survey, right? The gift survey. You, you could do that. But I think the best way is to do this. Start serving. They, I, I looked it up. They didn't have those surveys in the early church. <laughs> they were committed to one another. They loved each other deeply. Nobody's just showing up at church when you know that you could die for doing it. And so they are, they are hugely committed to one another and each other's needs. And so they would then just, they would start serving. And guess what? They, the church itself would start recognizing, like, wait a minute, this guy is really gifted in this way. And, and, and when you think about gifting, it's a, it's a hard thing to, uh, to like describe, but for, it's like you just have an energy about you when you're doing that thing. There's a joy. That doesn't mean beforehand you're like, oh, do I really need to? And it doesn't mean after you're not taking a nap because you're exhausted. But, but during the serving, you are, you're just, you, there's, you don't know how to describe it. There's a joy. There's an energy in the serving. Spirit empowered is how the Bible describes it. So start serving. Here's an idea. Sign up for a ministry. When we have few people serving, guess what? They get tired. They get, they get weary. But if we all served, we were joking about this at our small group, like, can you imagine if there's like a waiting list? We'd love to be able to get you into children's ministry, but right now, the first appointment we can get you is March. Is that going to work for you? Like, how, how incredible would that be, right? But if you don't know, then try different ministries. Have you ever tried serving in children's ministry? Or do you just simply say, I couldn't do that? You might be surprised that the Spirit has actually gifted you in that way. I could never work with youth. They drive me crazy. Have you tried it? Try different gifts, okay? Go with me on this. You try the gift. You try it for three or four weeks, and then circle back with the leader of that ministry and talk about how it went. And possibly you swing and you miss. It's like, yeah, actually, I don't think that's my gifting. But I'll tell you one thing, I'm definitely more appreciative of those who are gifted in this way, right? Think of, think of the person who is leading worship who should not be leading worship, okay? We've probably been to some of those churches, okay? You know, mom and dad said they could sing really well, okay? But they just aren't gifted. Okay, that's okay. You're not gifted. That's fine. Move on. Keep looking until you find it. We need to discover the gift that God has given us so that the church can be built up. So discover it. Second, develop your gift. Develop your gift. This is interesting, right? Because you're like, okay, well, it's spirit-empowered. But 
in time, you grow in the gifting. It's like a muscle. You use it, it grows, right? So I hear, all right? You, you, you need to use your gift and grow in it. Now, Lord willing, I am growing in the gifting of teaching and exhorting as I go from year to year to year. And, but sometimes that's taking some more learning, like reading this book or, 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 or being encouraged in other ways. You will grow in the gift, even though it's spirit-empowered. 2 Timothy 1.6, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on my hand, of my hands. Right. So there's this idea of fanning into flame the gift of God. In other words, there's, there's some effort involved in growing in the gift. 1 Timothy 4.14, do not neglect the gift you have. Schreiner says this, once believers have identified their gifts, they should strive to excel in the gifts they have been given and devote themselves to the body by exercising those gifts. So once you have it, then you use it and you, and you look for every opportunity to be using those gifts so that the church can be built up and encouraged and strengthened. The third thing was we think about where do we go from here? Don't use your gifting as an excuse for disobedience. What do you mean by that? Don't use your gifting as an excuse for disobedience. As you're going through the list, there's some things that you may not be gifted in, but you're still called to do. Does that make sense? You can't say, you know what? I'm not gifted in contribution. So I keep every penny for myself. No, clearly in the scripture, like we're all called to give. We're all called to encourage one another. We're all ultimately parents. You're all teachers. You're, all t- you're passing on the word of God. You're co- passing on the gospel to your children. Just the fact is some are more gifted than others. And as I was always thinking about this, then when you identify those who are gifted in that, for those, those things that we are all called to do, regardless of our gifting, then you should learn from them. You should go, for, go to them and like, man, you're just so gifted in your teaching. Like, tell me, like, how, are, how do you do that? How do you pass on this knowledge to your kids? And, and you just, you always just have this word of encouragement. I get it. You're gifted. God's given you a gift in that. But how could I grow in that? And so don't use your gifting, though, as an excuse for disobedience. Right? Well, I don't give because I'm not gifted that way. I don't encourage because I'm not gifted that way. All right? Make sure that you're not kind of like using your Sharpie on some um, verses because of your gifting. And then lastly, let's remember the goal of our serving. Let's remember our goal of our serving. Peter, in 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, he sums it up well. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, he says, As each has received a gift, Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now remember, these verses fall under Chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, which calls us to be living sacrifices. 
Everything that we are doing is for worship. And so I use my giftings so that I might bring worship and glory to him. That's the goal. The strengthening of one another and glorifying God. That's why we serve. That's the goal. That my brothers and sisters would be strengthened and that when people look at this church, they would see Jesus. So, we need to make sure that we're serving one another. Using our gifts are not optional. It's part of our worship to him. As we close this morning, I, I want us to remember this is God's will for the church. Men and women who are gloriously saved, walking in humility towards one another, deeply committed to the well-being of one another, who use their spirit-empowered gifts to strengthen and comfort one another as they seek to be living sacrifices of worship for the Lord. This is the church according to the word. How different is it than the church according to the world? What would a church look like that is 100% committed to this? Just imagine with me. 100%. This is my church. I am 100% committed to her, and I will use my gifts and abilities for the strengthening of her. Every person in. Are we ready for that? To see what God would do through that? I'm excited about what God's doing in our church right now. I get it. Some of this is uncomfortable. Some of you are just like, can you just end the service, please? But let the Spirit of God work in your heart. Be willing to be used of him in however way that he's gifted you, whatever way he wants to use you, so that we might grow together, so that we might be a witness to a lost and dying world. Oh, Lord, make it so. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Lord God, we, we look to you. God, we desire that you will be glorified in this church. As we talk about these things, Lord, to, to, to stop and think about the fact that, Lord, not only do you save us by your grace, but then you gift us by your grace and you desire to use us for your church so that she might be strengthened, so that she might be built up, that we might be used to be, uh, to, to be caregivers to one another. God, we... We thank you for the fact that you desire to, to use us in this way. And God, I pray that we would see your power at work in and through our lives. God, we don't want to live according to our flesh. We don't want to live according to what we could do. God, we want to just, we want to see you do your work. And so God, I pray for each individual here. God, you, you know that, that for some, they... They already know, God, how you've gifted them. They're, they're excited about it, and Lord, they're, 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 hopefully, Lord, they're, they're spurred on this morning, and they're, they're wanting to continue in it. And, and then there are others, Lord, who are just, they're not sure. 
how it is that they've gifted, you've gifted them. And so, God, would you just show them? Would you help them to see? Would you give them boldness to try and start serving? And sometimes they may find out, Lord, that they're not gifted in that way. That's okay. God, help them. Lord, to find the ways that they are gifted in, Lord, that you might use them fully. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.